Welcome to Working Out the Inside, the Myths, Truths, and Essential Work of Psychotherapy. I'm Andrew Nargawala. I've been a psychotherapist for about 16 years. Um, have a private group practice in Creskill, New Jersey. I've also worked for a large agency uh, for many years, uh, also doing specialty work. I've worked in substance abuse program, uh, worked on trauma. We're going to talk more about what that is. Um, sexual abuse. So what I hope to do with this podcast is not do a college class or graduate school class, uh, but to do something that general audience can find useful to kind of demystify what therapy is and to encourage people to try it, to get help, and, and also for people that are doing it and for professionals that are doing it, that they can feel supported and they can compare what I'm saying to their own experience. Uh, we know there's a lot of stereotypes and stigma about therapy. One of the reasons I chose the title about working out the inside is that now people, if you said to them, well, I think it would be great if you got a personal trainer or a nutritionist or, you know, people say, oh, that's great. What, well, absolutely. I'd love to do that. But if you say to someone, you know, I think maybe you should see a psychotherapist, you know, right away. What, what am I, crazy? Oh, you, you know, you, you don't think well of me. I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. That's weakness. I still see that a lot, particularly with men, you know, where you're not supposed to show your emotions and just suck it up. But men or women, you know, are taught these kind of messages from an early age. So what I'm hoping is over time uh, with these podcasts to dispel some of that and let people know really what to expect. And also, if you're in therapy, you know, is it something that's helping? And if not, why not? And what do you have a right to uh, expect and to work on? So let's talk a little bit about the uh, difference between psychotherapy and psychoanalysis. Again, I'm not going to go into too much detail now. We're going to have a lot of specific topics as things go along. We'll break things down. Uh, but I want to approach it more generally. If you see that someone does psychoanalysis, it's a different process from psychotherapy. The roots are the same, uh, certainly the roots in Freud, but psychotherapy took a different path. Um, psychoanalysis is, I would say, something if you want to do for self-discovery, you want to do, um, you know, uh, to help yourself, it's great, I wouldn't object. But my own opinion is, if you're suffering, if you need more immediate help, uh, psychotherapy is a, a better alternative. And again, we'll break that down further in the future. And what does this mean, therapy? Well, certainly symptom relief is incredibly important. People come in in terrible pain. Uh, emotional pain uh, can be just as bad and sometimes worse than physical pain. And people are often suffering for years and sometimes don't even recognize the full extent of how they're suffering. Uh, 
And uh, the ultimate goal for therapy is for the patient to be happy. Now, the insurance companies don't necessarily recognize that, but certainly along the way, we're working on depression, anxiety, uh, substance abuse, relationship issues. Basically, everything is on the table in therapy, in good therapy. Uh, sometimes you see when people say they're counselors or counseling, a lot of times the terms are used interchangeably, therapy and counseling, and that's fine. Sometimes counseling refers to shorter-term work that's more specific, like someone wants to quit smoking or couples counseling, right? But therapy usually implies, and counseling can too, a longer-term process, a journey of discovery, learning who you are. Uh, one of the most common uh, issues we see, I'd say, you said, what is the most common thing you see that people come in with? It's low self-esteem. And I mean profoundly low self-esteem. I mean, there are kids that I work with, work with adolescents, adults that I work with, who cannot say one good thing about themselves. I mean, you know, each week you'll come in. And, you know, people that you look at and say, well, they're so smart and interesting and funny and they can't see any of it. And sometimes that's because of depression. Depression makes us believe we're less worthy and we have fewer choices than we really have. Studies have shown that, that people develop a sort of tunnel vision. There could be many, many factors, biological factors. Uh, is someone bipolar? There's different kinds of bipolar. Um, you know, but low self-esteem is a very, very common thing that we see uh, because our culture, let's face it, is not very supportive of people uh, in, a, in a general way. Uh, the media uh, often talks about, you know, what you have to buy to feel good about yourself, uh, what you don't have because that's how advertising sells. Uh, we put a lot of pressure on people in school and at work. Uh, we've raised a nation of workaholics. Other cultures look at us and are amazed at how little time we take off and how much external pressure we put on ourselves. So I, I see people come in and, you know, they have a lot in the world. You know, they have a lovely house. They have a family. They have a good job, but they don't have inner peace. They don't have an inner sense uh, of success and direction, so they feel kind of lost. So that can often result in low mood. And, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes people say, well, I, I think pretty well of myself, but I'll ask them, based on how you let people treat you, how would you rate yourself? And often they'll be honest and say much lower. That while they think of themselves well, they do allow people to take advantage or hurt them or abuse them. And so that's something we want to work on. Now, many times you see people say, well, therapy is just about talking, just about chatting. I don't agree with that. 
uh, if if you feel that you're going in every week and you're just chatting or talking about your problems, then there's something wrong. Because really, therapy is about the work. Much like physical therapy is about working on the body and the mind uh, to make changes in your body, the way you think about your body, what you do with your body. Psychotherapy is about working on the mind and the body to change them. And we do that in many ways. Yes, talking and communicating and listening is absolutely uh, a huge vehicle for us. Developing the relationship with the therapist has been shown to be the number one factor in prediction of success in psychotherapy. How good is that relationship? And it doesn't always have to be pleasant or wonderful or, you know, cheery. There's up and down times in that relationship like in any relationship. But the point is that working over time with someone, they learn about you and you should learn about them too. Uh, I don't believe anymore in the inscrutable, silent therapist that just sits there, you know, takes notes, nods every once in a while, maybe says something at the end of the session. The therapists that we have at our practice and that, that I really respect that work in the field are interactive. Now, obviously, their first goal is to listen and to take in what you're saying. But it's not of much help if they never offer what they're thinking about your situation. And another issue is goals. Many times people don't know or it hasn't been discussed what are the goals of therapy? You know, that people want to feel better. That's, you know, very true. And they come in with that goal. But everything should be on the table. Uh, that's why you have confidentiality. So you can go and really, uh, you know, look at any part of your life. It could be work issues, could be relationship issues, self-esteem issues, uh, gender identity. I mean, there's so many different things someone can work on. And what that therapist should be helping you do is to say, you know, here's a direction we can go. Here's some possibilities. Here's a support system that you can start to develop. It's extremely important to have a support system personally and professionally. That means friends, uh, that means uh, maybe a psychiatrist as well to talk about medication. Medication can be a part of therapy, but it doesn't always have to be. That's something, again, that can be negotiated with the therapist where you talk about, you know, sometimes people are so depressed that it's dangerous to work with them unless they're medicated because they're suicidal they uh, are in such despair that they can't really touch on the topics that we need to because they're so extremely down. Now, most people don't come in in that bad shape, uh, but some, someone may have a low level of depression, what they used to call uh, dysthymia, where someone over a long period of time doesn't even recognize it anymore. It's just almost like chronic pain. It's just there all the time. So we want to look at your mood. We want to look at your life goals. We want to look at how you feel about yourself. And to do that, you need someone who's compassionate. Your therapist absolutely 
should be compassionate and understanding and available and make you feel that we're not just talking about my problems, but also my strong points, right? That every client has abilities and strong points and, you know, wonderful qualities that they may not be recognizing. So that therapist should remind that client regularly, every session, I would say, of what is positive and what is good in a real way, not in a fake way, but in a real way. Uh, of course, they should be non-judgmental. You shouldn't feel judged by your therapist. Um, sometimes therapists will even self-disclose and say, uh, you know, either in a general way. I sometimes tell clients, you know, every issue that, that you know, we're working on, I've had to work on myself and still work on. Uh, and, you know, other times a therapist might be more specific if they feel that it's helpful to bridge that gap and where someone feels that, you know, everyone suffers. Uh, therapists go to therapists. You're not alone in, in this journey. And um, let's, let's talk for a minute about the key questions of therapy. And if you feel that you're answering these questions in your work, in addition to the symptom relief, addressing absolutely the pain that you're in, the anxiety, the suffering, absolutely, number one, we want to address that. And as part of that, as part of doing that, some of the questions are, who am I? And I don't mean just in the sense of a resume, but I mean more deeply, who am I? Uh, how do I know what provides meaning in my life? What do I need versus what I want? You know, we want everything, but what do we really need? Do I measure my life more with external measures or internal measures? Meaning, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, well, uh, you know, if I have a good year at my job or if my kids do well or, you know, they're looking towards things outside themselves and there's nothing wrong with that to a degree. But we also have to look within ourselves and say, you know, just my existing, just who I am is important, not just what I do. Our culture is very focused uh, in America on what we do and what we achieve. And that's fine to a point. But, for example, when you work with suicidal children, as I have, uh, you know, when someone is 12 years old, they don't have a long resume. And even if they did, it's not the right way to approach it. What you're saying to them at that age, or even someone much older, is that you have inherent worth, that there's something wonderful about you that other people can see, I can see, uh, others see, but you're not seeing right now. And I respect that you're not seeing it, but I believe that there's more there. And, you know, it's often very hard for people to hear the positive. They'd much rather believe the negative and, you know, the things they've been told by others, the messages they've gotten from an early age. But we try to reinforce realistic, not happy talk, not just, you know, oh, everything's great. No, saying there are really wonderful things. If you want to know what it's like, imagine if you have a child or you, you meet a child and, you know, you just feel, well, you know, it's delightful to be around that child. They may be very young. They could be a very young child. 
you don't feel they have to prove that they're so delightful that they have to demonstrate it. You give them the benefit of the doubt, right? And then if they prove to be more unpleasant, you, you might have a different opinion. But you give them the benefit of the doubt. You say, let me look at this, at this child and, and try to appreciate their sense of wonder and the, the newness of this life. Uh, but we often forget that as we get older. You know, we say, well, now I, now I have to be serious and, you know, achieve all these things, and then I'll prove that I'm worthy, and then I can be happy. And, well, we try to say that um, that's not a good idea to wait. We encourage people to succeed externally. It's absolutely a topic we talk about. How can I do better at work? How can I do better in relationships? But that's different from saying that determines who I am. Uh, you know, remember the first line of, of Dickens' David Copperfield, whether I shall turn out to be the hero of my own life or whether that station will be held by anybody else, these pages must show. That idea of am I the captain of the ship? Am I the person really calling the shots? Or do I feel my life is run by others, basically, or to please others? And where does that come from? What are the roots of that? The roots often run very deep. And a lot of times people are resistant to change because, you know, it's hard. It's painful. They believed a certain thing for a long time. But it's something over time we can help with. And again, that support system, maybe including medications, certainly including friends, certainly including other professionals, including things like working out, physically, right? We know that taking care of the body absolutely helps the mind as well. Uh, you know, these are all part of the, the process. So I would say a, a holistic approach, an integrative approach that brings together many different kinds of therapy. Not just, you know, <clears throat> looking at, you know, sometimes clients will say, well, do you do this kind of therapy? Do you do CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy? Or do you do psychodynamic therapy? And as a teacher at NYU told me when I was in graduate school, he told the class, he said, well, who's the client? You know, first you have to start out getting to know that person and their situation uh, before you really know what combination of work they can do. Uh, psychodynamic work is about the past's effect on the present. You know, as Faulkner said, the past is not dead, it's not even past. You know, we, we do feel that effect, but we also don't want to be trapped by the past and bound by the past. We want to understand it in order to move forward. And um, mindfulness, and we'll talk more about that in the future, uh, about what real mindfulness is and about the, uh, how Buddha may have been the, the first psychotherapist. We'll come back to that. Uh, it, we mentioned cognitive behavioral therapy, self-psychology, dialectical behavioral therapy. In, in CBT, we're about changing beliefs that people walk around with, like, I'm nothing, I have nothing to offer. And when we change those beliefs or those thoughts, Often behaviors change as well. People start acting differently. People start having a different perspective about life. Uh, 
and um, self-psychology looks at who are we at the core, you know, who, who are we when we make decisions, when we have relationships. Dialectical behavioral therapy, looking at the extremes, a dialectic, right, but trying to find a Buddhist middle path, so to speak, right? Uh, what can I do to avoid these constant extremes of emotion, very low, very high? How do I find a, a path that makes sense to me? Now, these are way oversimplified. I'm not trying to say these are, these are whole definitions. In future episodes, I'm going to go into more detail. And I welcome your feedback and your questions and concerns. And certainly, um, if you're looking for a therapist, we have a practice. And if we can't help you, one thing I will say is that, you know, when you call, if I feel that our practice isn't right for you or that we don't have someone available, I will refer you to someone outside our practice that I've known and trusted. Uh, I think that kind of recommendation is what I look for when I look for any kind of professional. But whether or not you ever take us up on that offer, I'm just glad to have this opportunity to speak with you, and I, I hope that you'll keep listening, and I thank you for listening today.